0: One hour down, three to go here. Spencer German filling in for JP tonight. We're going to get to Daryl here momentarily. We got Nick Shook at 10 off the beaten path a little bit later as well. So still plenty to get to. We also got to talk about Draymond Green. Guys, a tiger doesn't change its stripes. That's, that's what I've learned with, with, with Draymond Green, man. He just keeps on doing things and keeps on trying to explain it away, and now he's suspended indefinitely. So good riddance to you. With that said... We welcome in our fine Browns beat reporter, brought to you by Shive and Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. Daryl Ryder joining us now. What's going on, Daryl? It's about time. What for? For uh, Draymond Green? Yes. How <laughs> took so long? It's funny because, like, my relationship with Draymond has changed over time because he goes on TNT. And he he he's like this great analyst, and he's got this person out, and you're kind of like, you know what, I, I like this. Like, I like this look right. for him on, on TV. And you start to sort of, you know, ease the pain of the the years where they were playing the Warriors every year here in Cleveland, and you, you hated his guts. And then he goes out and he does
1: stupid stuff like he did last night, and you're like, nah, still the yeah. same guy. I don't like him anymore. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> I mean my concern was that he, would you know, be banned from doing his podcast for a week or something. I a I mean it it, it it's about time cuz he doesn't really get the message. Um I mean he take I mean he swings at his own teammates for crying out right, loud. Right. <laughs> I saw him
0: trying to explain. I, I saw the video of him trying to explain what he was doing last night. He knew exactly right, what he was right. doing. And he was night. like, oh, you know, I don't. The, I don't. Oh,
1: whoops, I didn't right, see right. you there. My bad. He, he
0: was like, I don't flop. But that's not what I do. So I was just kind of, fl- you know, I flung my arms around and I, I didn't think I went that far, and I hit his face. It was like, dude, come on, man. I
1: can't help it. His
0: face ran into my fist. What's that about? What's he doing? <laughs> I'm honestly surprised. Couldn't that... he see my fist was there waiting for him? I'm honestly surprised that wasn't his defense. That, 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 that might have been better than what he uh, what he threw out there today. Like, oh, yeah, his, his face hit my fist. It was, it was the other way around. Sorry. My bad. Oh, man, what a guy. What, what a character. What,
1: what's LeBron's midsection running into my foot like that?
0: <laughs> <laughs> what a disaster. Uh, also a disaster, Daryl. The Browns injury situation. Should we just assume, I know they, they, they painted it as, well, Grant Dope could come back for the playoffs. Should we just assume he's not coming back because the messaging on all these guys that could come back at some point has just been all off this year?
1: Yeah, I mean, even with Jedrick Wills, I mean, you know, they were quick to tell us, hey, this isn't a season-ending thing, and then five weeks later, season ended. Um, uh, You know, I, I – yeah, I mean, the, it's it's a tough situation. Um, I, I don't know what's going on with the medical diagnoses here with some of right. these injuries and and whatnot. But um, you know, I know with Will's, they had hoped that whatever plan he was on, it you know, it just wasn't working, and so they finally decided, I don't know, maybe let's do what we should have done five weeks ago to begin with. Um, and you know, losing Delpit now, Obo Okoronkwo is probably going to be lost for the season. We'll probably get that news tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, at this point, they're they're on the pace to lose a player every day of the the season <laughs> going forward. Here, I mean that that's just the way it's been going. It, it really is incredible. Um, I was looking at uh, the opening day lineup from Week One against the Bengals, and uh, six players are no longer available due to injury out of twenty two guys. Uh, and, then, you know, of course, one guy got traded. But, yeah, that, that's a lot. Um, and the Browns have the second longest injury uh, reserve list in the National Football League. And, unfortunately for them, that list is full of key players. So, um, yeah, an- another day of uh, really bad injury news for the Browns. And, like I said, I'm anticipating some more bad news coming tomorrow.
0: Do you think there's a – I'm assuming the Browns are going to try to maybe uh, amend some of this looking free agency. Is there a chance that Andrew Berry can pull another rabbit out of a hat like he did with with Joe Flacco and find some sort of veteran depth piece that that maybe helps add some depth to the defensive line or something like that? Is, is there any names that maybe stand out that could just kind of serve as a, hey, let's get four games out of them and maybe they give you something?
1: Well, I mean, look at uh Deron Harmon, who they yeah. – uh, Moved from the practice squad to the active fifty three. I mean, th- this is guy a guy that's won a couple of Super Bowls. Um, you know, I mean, he's an eleven year veteran, played in over hundred and fifty games, um, spent time with the New England, obviously, uh, a season with the Lions, a season with the Falcons, and uh, and then one each with the the, the Raiders, um, and a little time earlier this year uh, with the Bears and. You know, he's, he's got a pretty decent resume. I mean, it, it's not eye-popping, but he has experience. Um, uh, you know, he's he got almost 25 interceptions and 50 pass breakups on that resume. So, um, you know, it's a- – Andrew Barry right now is uh, like Kevin Stefanski. They're trying to hold this thing together with tuck, duct tape and bail, and um, it, it, it's been impressive, but – you know, these are the the type of moves like, I'm, unfortunately, I, I, I don't know that there's another Joe Flacco sitting around like anywhere right now or another Kareem Hunt. Um, but, you know, they are continuing to manipulate the roster to try and uh, fill these holes that keep, unfortunately, uh, busting open because guys are are getting hurt. Talk with our Browns beat reporter, Daryl Ryder, here on The
0: Fan. I, I Listen, I know some of this is just unexplainable. It's, it's an anomaly that yeah. they'd have this many guys injured, especially this many key starters or role players injured. But at the same time, Daryl, like – the NFL is constantly talking about adding games to the schedule and going to an 18th game. And yeah. is there a tipping point for this? And playing because, internationally, right, too. Right, because like we're getting matchups now where it's Mitch Trubisky versus Jake Browning and Nick Mullins versus <laughs> Aiden O'Connell. Like, How is this good for the league to just risk the product being even more watered down come January when it matters most to just keep adding games? I mean, it's ridiculous.
1: I've always been concerned in recent years about the oversaturation of the league. Um, I, but as long as there's money to be made, these, the, the billionaire owners are going to try and make every penny they can make. And, uh, they see a uh, tremendous growth opportunities uh, overseas right now. I mean, they added the, the Brazil game, uh, next year, uh, in 2025, you're looking at potentially half the league having to play an overseas game. Yeah. Um, it, it's coming whether you like it or not, whether you agree with it or not. Um, you know, I I'm surprised they haven't added Wednesday night football and Tuesday night football <laughs> after the success that it had during the pandemic. So, um, you know, they, they got a black Friday game now. Right. Um, so it's, uh, I do feel like that Thursday night football waters down the product. Um, but clearly my opinion doesn't matter <laughs> And um, the league is going to continue uh, with uh, these type of things, um, you know. Uh, I I just even back before the Browns settled on bringing in Deshaun Watson, right? When they were legitimately doing the quarterback carousel, like yeah. they were they were just like blindly pulling names out of hats, hoping one of them was any good. Uh, you know those those fun times. Um, you know, I kept saying like. How on earth can they add a, a, a 17th game to this thing? I mean, you, you can't get through 16. That That's painful enough to watch. So, um, yeah, as, as long as there's b- big money to be made, um, they are going to continue to oversaturate the product. And uh, the quality of the product really doesn't matter because let's be honest about it. If the NFL is playing a game, people... Are watching, no matter how bad the teams are that might be uh, playing that particular game. Yeah, people will complain on social media and, and things like that. Well, you know, make fun of it here and whatever. But guess what? People are still talking about it, and uh, the league, in in that case, takes the as long as there's engagement, You know, even if it's negative engagement, engagement's engagement, and our and uh, NFL fans are, are consistently engaged.
0: Obviously, the, the number of games is part of the, the problem and just the exposure to more hits and all these different things, and, and it's it's going to warrant what we're sort of seeing. But the other part of it, I guess, and the question that needs to be asked is how much of this is just a training thing? And, I, and I'm not saying just the Browns specifically. It's even maybe just across the league because we hear all the time about how just like the practice schedules have changed and they do things differently now. Like how much is the way that these players are training and getting ready for football also impacting the number of injuries we're seeing around the league.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, um, the Browns are not alone in this. A lot of teams, uh, in fact, I have to imagine the entire league does this. Uh, I mean, the Browns are very intentional about trying to protect players. I mean, just look at today's injury report Yeah, that the team put out there, right? There's, well, I think, 14 names, if I remember correctly. Let me just do a quick count in my head here real quick. Yeah, fourteen names, Okay, now of uh, the di- the did not practices, right? There is one, two, three, four, you got your five, veteran days off. Six guys. Okay, they have six guys on here where they put uh, not injury related dash rest comma, and then you know whatever minor injury might be ailing said player, but also saying that the you know the the primary reason that player is not participating is, uh, you know, rest factor. And the guys, right? Joel Batonio, Amari Cooper, Miles Garrett, uh, David Njoku, Anthony Walker, right? Um, very, very important players because the medical data is telling them, hey, need to give this guy a day off. We, saw, we see this every year in training camp, too, where it's a perfectly nice day out and all of a sudden, you know, six guys aren't practicing. They're just getting the day off to just chill out, and that's part of this. So, I I understand the question. It's valid. It's it's hard to wrap your head around why the Browns are going through the injuries. I mean, look, I hope, you know, between the shoulder and the knee surgeries, they're getting a group discount at this point, Um, (laughs) but... You talk uh, about companies that are like you know fields that want to make a lot of money. There's you think
0: you think the hospital, the uh the the medical field is uh, taking discounts for, for surgeries. <laughs> yeah, I, I
1: mean, um, I, I just I and I, I swear I'm not making light of it, but it, right. it, it's it's absurd how, how many of these guys have gotten hurt and how many players they're losing, you know, for the the balance of the season, but. Um, it, it's it's really hard for me to criticize the Browns because yeah. I know what they do and the lengths they go to to try and prevent this stuff from actually happening because they have had seasons destroyed by injuries. And this this is just another one, the difference being that they've been deep enough that they have been able, for the most part, to, to weather them. And so we're sitting here on December 13th the team is 8 and 5. They play a game this weekend that if they win they'll go to 9 and 5 and have a shot to basically be a game away from clinching a playoff berth potentially here and um but yeah, I mean they, they study this stuff religiously and unfortunately there're just some things that you know you, you can't uh, figure out using uh you know quantitative computer data and because if they could, they would. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, last thing
0: for you, Darrell, to get you out of here. I know you talked about this a little bit last night on social media. What should Browns fans, if anything, take away from this, this Ravens stadium project where
1: they're, 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 they're sort of
0: publicly getting funded $430 million to, to help renovate the stadium? Is, is there any sort of blueprint there for what the Browns might want to do?
1: Yeah, I, I'll be honest with you. I think there is, um, and I try and keep an eye on the stadium projects around the country because the, the Brown situation right now is still very much up in the air. Um, the, the renovation plan is still the primary plan, regardless of my opinion of how foolish that is or not. Doesn't matter. That seems to be uh, what they've kind of zeroed in on here, but uh, I don't know sinking a billion dollars into that stadium is money well spent. Um, especially considering some of the stuff that the, the city wants to do to that lakefront and that uh, is from a development standpoint, certainly feel like that land could be better used than a stadium that there's no real easy way to get to for fans. Yeah. Um, and with all due respect to all the planning out there, it's not going to get any better. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're going to walk even more because they're going to take a lot of parking away. <laughs> um, that's that's currently there. So, um, but what you can take away from it is I think that the Baltimore situation uh, that's been hammered out, they're getting up to $600 million in public money to renovate their stadium and modernize it. Um, uh, look, I, 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 I do know the Browns are not asking the public to foot the entire bill. Um, I I'm not, you know, I have an idea of you know, what things may look like here in Cleveland. Uh, from a financial landscape, but they're you know they're still working with the city, the county, the state, trying to get something hammered out. But you know, six hundred million dollars in public money is a lot of a yeah. lot of money. And and I know that a lot of people had a hard time, uh, you know, swallowing the public contribution, which was like around eighty eighty five million dollars for Rocket Mortgage Field House to to modernize that building, or uh, what the Guardians are getting for Progressive Field uh, to basically take a hacksaw to that place and turning it, turning it into a giant beer garden. Um, so uh, I understand that, but it's a lot cheaper than building something new um, because something new, whether it's open air, whether it's uh, domed is in the billions and billions of dollars with a B. And um, the only way that gets done in my view is if the Haslam say the heck with it, we're just going to build our own. And nobody's going to complain about what we're charging for tickets because, well, it's our investment. And right now, my understanding is not much of an appetite for that. So, um, renovation it is. And uh, it that's you know that that Baltimore uh, situation though. I brought that up. People were giving me grief from it because they couldn't see they couldn't understand why I was bringing that up. And the whole reason I brought that up was, hey, you know, this situation here is not re- not resolved. And what needs done to first to Brown Stadium right now isn't going to be cheap, um, and part of the reason it's not going to be cheap is because it wasn't built well to begin with. It, you know, you you look up at it, there's rust everywhere. Um, the city is doing a bunch of emergency repairs on an annual basis to the place uh, to keep it a, 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 you know safe for fans. Um, it was uh, you know compressed timeline, compressed design timeline just wasn't well designed and uh you know it's rushed and so to make those corrections and make it viable is going to make it very very expensive but um yeah the fact that the Ravens got 600 million dollars not for a new building but just to renovate their what they have you know it gives you an idea of maybe where things are headed uh when it comes to what the Browns might look for
0: He's Daryl Ryder, right or wrong, fan on Twitter or X or whatever you're calling it these days. He's brought to you by Scheiben Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. Daryl, always appreciate the time, my man. I'll catch you out in Berea tomorrow. Look forward to it, bud. Take care. Yep. Thanks, Daryl. Good stuff. Always uh, brings the heat. Had some good things to say there about the stadium project. Also, though, talked about the uh, injury situation. We'll get back into that when we get back here on The Fan. And it's like watching a car crash from a distance. We'll get to that next on The Fan. Should be a good conversation with him. We'll we'll get his sense of how far this Browns team could realistically go, even with all the injuries they're dealing with in Joe Flacco under center. We'll see what he has to say. Should be fun. That's at 10 o'clock. We'll do off the path at 1040. I got another topic to get into here momentarily, Um, but I did think real quick here that Daryl's commentary on just the NFL – and they're, you, I mean, you could call it greed, but you understand why they're doing it. Like they, if they know they can make money off of it, they're going to keep trying to find ways to make money. So the the schedule expands, the international game schedule expands, and we just keep having these conversations about terrible quarterback matchups late in the season. But listen, I, it's just hard, man. Like the Browns, to his point, do everything in their power to try to get the the health of these players right and then it's just uncontrollable like in a lot of ways Kevin Stefanski when he says the line about you just never know what's going to happen from an injury standpoint going into any season he's right like you you can't predict it but you can always go into a season accounting for like okay you might lose anywhere from 5 to 10 guys for a short period of time or a longer period of time, maybe a handful of those, three or four, are season-ending injuries. Okay. The Browns are up to 13, potentially 14 guys that will be lost for the season due to injury. It is just unexplainable. And it's and like I said at the top of the show, it just sucks because this season, as we've said, I had so many expectations around it. It's also... Uh, this is the frustrating thing, too. Everything that transpired last year, you, you you bring Deshaun Watson here. He only gets the six games. Everyone's questioning if he's the guy. And, and then I guess that's still kind of a conversation that's that's being had now that Flacco's thriving or or playing really well in this offense, at least. Um, and we got into that a little bit last night. But, like, they, like Andrew Barry built this roster. It, it, this is the other thing. Like, this is a testament to him wholeheartedly. For them to survive this many injuries and be 8-5 and five and on the break of the playoffs, and if they make the playoffs, if he doesn't win executive of the year, then I think the system's racist. Because, seriously, to build a roster that's this deep um, at so many different positions, still having success despite X, Y, Z injury, remarkable. And, and that's what's frustrating because you see what this team was built to be you see the potential they had to to really make some noise this year come playoff time. And it's all just – I guess it hasn't all gone up in flames because you're still a playoff team. And I know yesterday I had a whole conversation about how why can't this team make a run. But now I'm like hesitant to have that conversation or feel that way about this team because I don't know if I'm going to wake up tomorrow like I see from Groundhog's Day and – there's going to be another key injury that could derail the season. Who will it be next? Like that's what I find myself asking every morning when I wake up when we're when we're discussing this team and thinking about this team and getting ready to 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 talk about this team. Like it's 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 absurd. It all just stinks. Luckily, one way to cope with uh, frustrations and disappointment is to laugh at the expense of others. And we get a chance to do that, talking about the Browns' biggest... And talking about and looking over uh, about two hours east of us here to uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and we see how people... That fan base is handling things with their current team. Not just... the fans, but a former legend of said Pittsburgh Steelers franchise now getting in the mix, calling out the team, Ben Roethlisberger on his own podcast, football, the football and podcast discussed where the, the state of the Pittsburgh Steelers here in 2023 with so much turmoil, that's kind of transpired this season and uh, suggest that maybe they've lost their way.
2: It just feels like that. It just feels like that's something that's kind of been lost on this team a little bit. It feels like the Steeler way is just not... Listen, you've got some great leaders on defense, don't get me wrong. Cam um, and it's... TJ and Minka, but but you've got two sides of a football. There just wasn't that Steeler tradition passed down. And I just... You have it on defense, don't get me wrong. But you don't have it on offense right now, and it's it's just making it really hard. You're not seeing, in my opinion, the toughness on offense. Um, and, and I say toughness in the sense of a stealer toughness. Mm. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with, like, like okay, this guy's soft. Like, who's who's grabbing someone by the face mask and being like, uh-uh? Yeah. That's not what we do. That's not what we do. Is that happening? You know, and, and yes, again, you have guys on defense doing it, but you need guys on both sides of the ball doing it because when you're in offensive meetings, when you're in offensive huddles, when you're doing that, you're meeting separately. You need someone to stand up in that room on offense mm-hmm. And be like, hey, this, this this isn't this isn't what it means to wear the black and gold. Yeah. This isn't what has been handed down from those teams in the 70s.
0: I got so much to say about this because guys, first of all, if if he's worried about it not being handed down over the years, isn't that kind of his fault? He was there for all those years. He could have passed on the message. From the guys that came before him, who passed it on to him and instilled their wisdom, like like wasn't it his responsibility to get that there? So it's funny that he's now pointing the finger and saying like, oh, he's basically doing the oh, this generation they just they just don't get it like they used to out, out there in the steel city and what it means to be a Pittsburgh Steeler. So a that's hilarious in of its own right because this just feels very old man yelling at cloud. Woe is me! Things aren't the way that they used to be anymore. I, I can't believe these these soft millennials these days and everything that they do. Like it just feels very old, retired man longing for the day when he was playing football and and things were different back then. Which is like also a microcosm of how we kind of view our country right now, which is kind of funny. But that's what it came off as. But it's also just the fact that you got a legend of that franchise. Now calling out the franchise as well. We'll talk about it more on the other side. 216-474-992. Again, the audio from the football and podcast, Ben Roethlisberger's podcast, 216-474-992. If you want to talk about it and laugh at the Steelers' expense while we try to deal with our own pain of another day of injuries here with the Cleveland Browns. Also on Twitter, at Spencer underscore. Spencer in for JP tonight, 92 through the fan. Welcome back in. We're laughing at the Pittsburgh Steelers, guys. We got Nick Shook set to join us, top of the hour. We'll actually ask him about the Pittsburgh Steelers because this is all part of the conversation. Listen, I find it absolutely asinine living outside of that city that the organization would be so ready to fire Mike Tomlin. Let me rephrase. The organization doesn't sound like they are ready to fire Mike Tomlin. But the fan base seems like they've been doing Mike Tomlin for years, which is crazy to me because I think that he's covered up a lot of their issues over the years. Um, Who was it? I Did Nick share something that I saw on Twitter? Somebody had a take that Mike Tomlin has never been a good quarterback. A good quarterback. A good head coach, sorry. And... I find that to be absolutely asinine, like I get there's the there's the discrepancy where he hasn't won a playoff game in over a decade and all these different things. But I mean, he's constantly taken a team that was not anywhere close to how good their record showed they were and gotten him to the playoffs, kept him above five hundred. How can I possibly say that he's not a good coach? And I think if he had a quarterback that could win you football games, like when he had Ben Roethlisberger in his prime, he'd be okay. But he's he's strapped by the situation he's dealt. Now he's probably part of that. And I guess that certainly is a strike against him if you're trying to make a case to fire him. But the idea that Mike Thomas is not a good coach is wild to me. On some level, I understand too though, where like guys run their cores. Sometimes it's just time to move on. And maybe that's where the Steelers fans feel like they're at with with Mike Tomlin, and it is his, it is on him that the other coaches around him maybe haven't met expectations. Like the fact that you're moving on from Matt Canada midway through the season, something he's never had to do before. That falls on his lap at the end of the day because you chose to promote him and make him your offensive coordinator. You could have found somebody else. You could have made a better move. There, there's a there was a lot of different options you could have made there. To address that need, and you stuck with the internal guy, and it blew up in your face, and the offense has been terrible. Maybe that's part of why Kenny Pickett's been bad. I also think Kenny Pickett's limited, and I think on some level he had he he should have had some say, I would imagine, in selecting Kenny Pickett, especially when you think about the fact that he was a key decision maker in what was Kevin Colbert's sort of last draft in picking Kenny Pickett before he really stepped away from the team. So, I mean, let's be real here. I'm assuming Mike Tomlin had some say in that. So I don't know. Like Yes, there's blunders along the way, but I can't ignore the record, man, and I can't ignore the success that that franchise continues to have with Mike Tomlin. So I don't know if that's fully it. But you hear comments like this. Let's let's play this one more time. Ben Roethlisberger on his own podcast, Football In Podcast, had this to say about the state of the Steelers franchise.
2: It just feels like that. It just feels like that's something that's kind of been lost on this team a little bit. It feels like the Steeler way is just not. Listen, you've got some great leaders on defense. Don't get me wrong. Cam um, and TJ it's... and Minka, but, but you've got two sides of a the football. There just wasn't that Steeler – tradition passed down and i just you have it on defense don't get me wrong but you don't have it on offense right now and it's it's just making it really hard you're not seeing in my opinion the toughness on offense um and, and i say toughness in the sense of a stealer toughness mm. i'm not saying there's anything wrong with like like okay this guy's soft. softer like who's who's grabbing someone by the face mask and being like uh-uh yeah that's not no, no that's not, not what, what we're we do it's not yeah. what we do um is that happening you know and and yes again you have guys on defense doing it, but you need guys on both sides of the ball doing it. Because when you're in offensive meetings, when you're in offensive huddles, when you're doing that, you're meeting separately. You need someone to stand up in that room on offense mm-hmm. and be like, "Hey, this, this, this isn't this isn't what it means to wear the black and gold. Yeah, this isn't what has been handed down from those teams in the '70s."
0: Again, uh, Ben Roethlisberger on the football and podcast at audio. On some level. I do think Roethlisberger's right in that you do need the right leaders on a team and on both sides of the ball to kind of keep things on track. I mean, we talk about that all the time here with the Browns. But at the same time, I, as I said last segment, it does feel very game has passed me by. It's not what it used to be. Same, It's the same thing I said about Tom Brady a couple weeks ago when he's out here saying, I just think like they're... They're calling everything now, and they're just looking for the calls and blah blah blah. Which is I, which is too ironic when he is like subject number one, poster child for calls get going again or calls going for him because he was the golden boy, the guy that the NFL had to protect. So how many quarterback rules changed over time to just protect Tom Brady? So I find that part of it very ironic and corny and funny. And I think there's a little bit of that going on here with Roethlisberger. I do think on some level he is right, though, that you do need leaders across the board on both sides of the ball to sort of keep things on track. And if there's some Steelers way that we've seen in the past, that certainly is a thing that uh, maybe existed that you hope kind of – it has been able to withstand the test of time. I'd argue it still has because you're seeing a team that's winning football games and still putting out winning records. And I think Mike Tomlin's at the forefront of that, which is why I wouldn't fire him. But – in the same vein, it is funny to sit here in Cleveland at eight and five on the season, given everything that that this team's dealt with, and we've had to watch unfold with the in, on the injury front with this team. It's nice to just see this going on with another franchise. I mean, let's let's all let's call a spade a spade here and admit it: we get joy out of seeing a former legend of that franchise calling out the franchise he used to play for for not living and breathing and dying by the Steelers' way, and it it makes you, it does make you wonder if they're kind of losing their footing here. There's been a lot that's gone on in that organization, and I will say that about Mike Tomlin. He has been able to mask. What did I just say a couple segments ago? When you're winning, it cures everything. And there certainly has been a lot of that going on with Steelers over the years. They keep winning football games, so any of the internal feuds, like when when we didn't know what was going on at the time with with uh, Antonio Brown and all maybe the, the, the distraction that he was off the field and on the field, I guess, um, like that was masked by the fact that they were winning. So the organization's been able to keep winning, and so I think that's masked a lot of the stuff internally that's been going on. But when you see stuff like George Pickens... Tweeting that he wants out or Deontay Johnson not hustling on a play and got the the infighting and Najee Harris not, you know, basically signaling that there's a lot of selfish people on the roster and he tried to defend the team today, which is ironic given what he said a couple weeks ago. And um, it's, it's, it just, just all of it is funny to watch transpire. It's funny to watch it when it's your rival anyway. But it's even funnier when it's a rival that's beaten up on you for so many years and you've been the laughing stock at their expense for so long that now all the stuff that generally would happen here in Cleveland is happening to them. It feels like they are, as the saying goes, walk a day in their shoes. It feels like they're walking a day in our shoes for once. And yeah, I'm going to be honest. It does ease the pain of everything going on with the Browns this year and all the injuries they're dealing with to see that the Steelers are potentially becoming a mitigating disaster. I'm not I mean I'm not gonna I'm not gonna write their their eulogy here and say it's all it's all over and this is it because it's the Steelers and they can always bounce back. but two straight losses to three win to now three win teams to two of the worst teams in football this year and the Cardinals and the Patriots. You got Mitch Trubisky out there, and and all due respect to Mitch Trubisky, I know he's a Cleveland guy, but there's a reason he's a backup quarterback on that team. Um, Kenny Pickett's hurt. You got guys fighting with each other. You got guys not hustling during plays, saying that they want out. They're, They're upset with the offense. They're upset with this. They're upset with that. Not a great situation. But we're used to it. We know what they're going through because we've lived it ourselves. It's just funny to see it. See the shoe on the other foot now, and we get to kind of be to the victor goes the spoils, but we get to kind of be on the other side of it now and laugh at their expense. It is easing the pain of everything that the Browns are dealing with right now, if I'm being hundred percent honest. But at least we know we're ahead of the Steelers in the standings and the, the Browns got a winning record of eight and five. We can at least hold on to that for now. Two and six, four seven four, double ninety two. Are you getting as much joy out of the Steelers' potential demise as I and I think others are watching how things are kind of unfolding there in Pittsburgh? Um, we are going to get to Nick Shook here coming up in a few minutes. Looking forward to talking to him about the Browns, but also a number of subjects around the NFL. Maybe I'll get into the Steelers' conversation with him uh, with him too because is this really the end or nearing the end for Mike Tomlin and that franchise and everything that they've stood for? Ben Roethlisberger seems to think so. Such an old man yells a cloud take though anytime an as an, an, an old head as the the millennials would say, anytime an old head is out of a a situation or or it's passed him by and he's making comments about how it is now, it's just always corny it's like the it's like the lowest hanging take that you can have in sports or anywhere to so just be like, ah oh, yeah, you know." It's just not the same as it used to be. Back in my day, we had to walk fifteen miles up the hill in the snow. Whatever. Give it up. But to hear him of all people saying it, I take some solace in it. I do. Um, real quick, guys. This feels like as good a time as any to remind you to get your Sunday started with me and the Bud Light Tailgate show. At 7 a.m. this weekend. Jonathan Peterlin and friends open the gates at nine on West Sixth Street. Daryl Ryder keeps you updated on all the latest news from Cleveland Brown Stadium. And of course, Ken Carmen takes the stage around noon. Always make the Bud Light Tailgate part of your game day radio radio for the on the radio home of the Cleveland Browns, 923 the Fan, presented by Valley Automotive Group, the Buckeye Law Group, and Sal's Heating, Cooling, Plumbing, and Sewer. Get details at 92throughthefan.com. Should be another marvelous pregame show this weekend. We'll get you ready for Bears and Browns, a big one for Cleveland. A lot of talk today in the locker room by the way about Justin Fields not taking him lightly. So, despite what the media might say about him, and I I I think Justin Fields is the bee's knees. I I, I think he's a very talented player that that gets a bad rap, much like a lot of the Browns players were saying today. That guy's good, man. Can't take him lightly, can't sleep on him. And the Browns defense has struggled, I think, at times with some of these dual-threat quarterbacks. So th- this is no easy t- uh, easy feat, even though the Bears are a very good team overall. I also think Daryl brought up, as he counted the number of names on the injury report, the discrepancy between the two teams was like 14 to 4. 14 players for the Browns in the injury report. There was literally four guys on the, uh, the Bears' injury report. They have one player who's gone to the IR, and it was today. Yannick Ngakwe went to the IR today. First time this season they have anybody go to the IR. It is just night and day difference with the injuries between these two teams. All right, two and 9 four, double nine two. If you want to jump in at any point tonight, we do have to get to the North Olmsted Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram hotline when we get back, though, because Nick Shook, Cleveland Native, NFL.com. He joins us next on the fan.